Well, good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to worship. Welcome to the house of the Lord as we sing and worship and hear of God's word and pray together. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand? It's a good day to be together in the house of God. Um, I want to start things off this morning by reading some of Psalm 136, but I want to be a little interactive with you guys. I didn't put anything up on the screen for this, but it's, you guys got an easy part. So I'm going to say a line of Psalm 136, and you guys are going to repeat back, not repeat, but you guys are going to say, for his steadfast love endures forever. Okay? That's pretty easy. You guys just only have to do it three times. So here we go. Let's read Psalm, or re- say Psalm 136 together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen, amen. So yes, God is here among us. His grace and his love is available for us all. So let's sing and worship to our God of gods together. Let's sing. won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance is the exodus of my heart as you found me you freed me held back the waters for my release oh Yahweh you're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, by day is a sign that you are with me the fire by night is the guiding light to my feet as you found you freed me held back the waters for my release oh Yahweh you're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory Hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Next few words, let's sing them out, let's declare them, let's believe them this morning. Oh, you stepped into my Egypt, you took me by the hand, and marched me out in freedom into the promised land. Now I will not forget you, God, I'll sing of all you've done, death is swallowed up forever. By the fury of your love, you stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out of freedom into the promised land. Now I will not forget you, God. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever. By the fury of your love. 
miracle-working God. You are miracle-working God, a miracle-working God. I knew that you would come. You say, my heart is overcome. I'm not afraid. I see your face.
before you and say that there are times in our life where it's hard to sing those words and to know that they are true. But God, when we look at your faithfulness, both in our lives and in the scripture for so many years, we have such a small glimpse at the bigger picture, God. And we trust in you. We know that you are good. We know that you are faithful. We know that you cannot deny your nature. That you are perfect. God, help us to just trust in that. To believe in your goodness and your faithfulness. And thank you that even though you are this big, awesome God, that you still come to us with tenderness and with love. God, help us to turn to you, not to be afraid to tell you our fears, the things that we're dealing with, not to be so quick to take the credit for ourselves, just to turn to you in goodness and in pain, you are faithful, God, and you love us in all of our brokenness. You still love us. You call us your children. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are always with us, God. Open our eyes and our ears this morning to hear from you. Help us to be aware of your presence as we go throughout the week and to know that you are with us, God. In your name we pray, amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, good morning once again. My name is Dan. I'm the worship director here at Sunrise and also the Community Life Director, helping to get you guys involved. And I do have a couple of announcements that lean that way. But first of all, welcome to you guys with us, worshiping with us today, and also welcome to you guys online. Um, for those of you worshiping with us online, special welcome. There'll be a comment that'll drop in a second that'll um, lead you to our announcement page, but also will show you a spot where you can click on if you're visiting for the first time. And also for you guys here in the worship center, um, you can scan those QR codes in the front of those seats That'll bring you to our announcement page as well. All the things I'm about to talk about are on there. And also, um, if you are new, you can fill out a little questionnaire. We can get to know you. You guys can get to know us. Try to help you guys feel at home here at Sunrise. So a couple of... Well, also, for those of you who go online, um, I wanted to drop this for you guys as well. Um, if you're watching online or if maybe you're here in the sanctuary and you've been watching online a little bit, over the past couple months, we've had a few issues with our Facebook stream 
um, those Facebook bots like to listen to us, and then they block us sometimes when they think our music sounds too much like the original. So um, they are, sometimes our Facebook stream has gone down, but we just recently this week added a second option. Um, if that Facebook stream does go down, um, we can flip right over to YouTube. We are also streaming to YouTube now. So um, if that happens, if you guys are watching online, if that happens, um, just go quickly to our um, Facebook page, and we'll put that link on there. Otherwise, just bookmark the, the YouTube page, and we'll, that'll, we'll be there as well. So just that little caveat there. So nextly, our announcements for this week. Partnership classes today, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. Um, if you've been at Sunrise for a while and you feel like this is your home, you'd like to learn a little bit about what partnership means, what, it, um, what this church is about, what the history is here. You can meet the staff. Um, that is happening today. If you are not signed up, we do have a couple more spots if you want to jump in. That's after the service. We'll provide lunch. We'll provide childcare. So you have no reason to not come if you want to. So that is after the service back in the youth room. Secondly, Three's Company is starting this month. We have a bunch of people already signed up. If you don't know what Three's Company is, it's just a super easy, relaxed way to get to know people here at Sunrise. Um, it's not as involved as small groups are where we get together and do a study. This is more just we, hence the Three's part of it, we get three couples, families, or singles together, just three units, and they meet together for three times over the course of three months Super laid back. You guys get to choose what you want to do. You can go out to eat together, go to your house, um, go to a park, go to a coffee shop, whatever you guys want to do. It's up to you. You guys get to choose. Um, just Again, just a super easy way. Starting in March, we'll have um, groups start in March, then they'll meet again in April and in May. Okay? So that's that. Um, nextly, our spring events calendar, which I have in my hand right here. Uh, these are available out in the lobby and also... Um, on the announcement page, so go to Sunrise, our, our uh, website, and then click on the announcements in the um, menu, and that'll bring you right there. So this is out for the next few months, start for March, April, and May. All the fun things we have going on, several, again, events to connect. We have a women's brunch coming up. We have a bunch of play dates for kiddos in the morning. We have some youth events coming. We have another prayer service coming later. So check that out. Lots of fun things coming up. Pub Theology, a way for men to connect, is coming this week, Tuesday night. We're going to be over at um, Hudsonville Grill once again, so that is at 6.30. We meet just to hang out, have some drinks, and talk about theological things, and sometimes not theological things, whatever happens to come up that night. We have a great time talking. Next, um, a brand new thing you'll see on the calendar I just mentioned, we have Friday, first Friday of the month, a new thing for um, moms or dads, if you are home with your kids, um, over at the Cotman's house, they're hosting a uh, play date for kids and their parents at 9 a.m., first Friday of the month. So um, if you don't know the Cotman's, their email address is on this calendar, so you can shoot them an email. They'll give you directions, any more details you need to know about that. So super fun for kids and parents. Also, lastly, I'm sorry, I'm getting through a lot of these. A lot of things happen coming up, guys. Um, next Sunday, um, we've talked about this again for a couple of weeks, but we're doing a little switcheroo for kids coming up. Kids are going to start worshiping, the, start the service with us here in the service. They're going to sing with us, worship with us, worship with you guys, sing with us, all, the, all of our songs, and then we're going to have a greeting time again. We're going to split, break the service, have a time where we get to chat a little bit, and the kids are going to take off to go to their programming in the back. So they'll meet their um, teachers, and they'll go to the back and start their programming. So uh, we'll have instructions for parents to get their kids signed in. They'll come in here, and they'll take off in the middle of the service before the sermon. So if you have any questions about that, you can ask Miss Julie in the back. She'll, I'm sure she'll be happy to talk about all that with you. That's it for me. Dan, it's on to you, bud. Well done. That was a lot of information. A lot of stuff. <laughs> so let me make a, a quick correction. The play dates are, um, I'm going to set this on the keyboard and hopefully it won't play music or spill water into your keyboard. It did not. Um, so the, the play dates are not the first Friday of the month. They are for the month of March. Is that right? Every Friday for the month of March. Yes. So every Friday for the month of March, not the first Friday of the month until Jesus comes back. <laughs> so yeah, uh, participate in those. That's a great opportunity. A great idea for people in our church who are already planning to get together with their kids, because they're already with them, uh, to invite people to come along and do that. So anytime that you guys are doing something like that, feel free to let us know if you want to help get some people there. We'd love to help you do that. 
My name is also Dan. We're glad that you're here this morning. Um, and this has been a bananas kind of week, right? I mean, we've got Russia who has decided to invade Ukraine, and some of you perhaps have family or friends there in Ukraine, or family members, friends who are trying to get out of Ukraine. And it's, whether you have family or friends there or not, it's not hard to imagine what that would be like. Um, many of us have connections with folks in Ukraine. Uh, I will post on my Facebook page after the service, and I want to encourage any of you who have connections, ways to help folks in Ukraine, to post on your Facebook page or to share with other people how to get involved in order to help some of the families who are there. Uh, we know some missionaries who are there. Uh, we know some folks there who have partnered with missionaries from outside of Ukraine, and they're doing their best to try to get the folks they've been supporting in churches, in some of the social service circles that they've been working in for so long, trying to help get them out, trying to help these kids and moms who are saying goodbye to their dads, their older brothers, because 18 to 60-year-old men are not able to leave the country. They're trying to tell their kids that their dad, their brother, their aunts, their, their uncles, their grandpas are going to come with them at some point. And so it's a very difficult space right now, just in a very humanitarian level for these folks. So look for ways to help in Ukraine. I don't know what that's going to be. Maybe it's going to be praying for you. Maybe it's going to be giving money. I don't know. But part of who we are, part of our DNA at Sunrise is to transform the world with God's grace and love. And so we want to do that together and individually. So look for ways to do that. Let me pray uh, before we jump in this morning. God, thanks for another day to get together uh, here in this building to remind ourselves that you've created us for community, that there's something about being with your people, whether we like them or not, that helps us to see you clearly and helps us see ourselves more clearly. So in this space and time, whether we are here in this room physically or joining virtually, God, I pray that you would do just that, uh, that you would use this time together to soften our hearts toward you, toward what you're calling us to do in this world so that we would boldly pursue that with your grace and your love firmly in hand. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, so <clears throat> this week starts Lent, the Lenten season that is the journey up to Easter starts this week. So we will push the pause button on the series that we are currently in. I'll go ahead and do the next conversation in that today. We'll push the pause button and then for the Lenten season we'll journey together toward Easter. But for this morning we're going to continue our conversation on use and abuse of the Bible, um, which is a little bit of a fun conversation. Last week, we took a break, we pushed the pause button on this conversation to talk about something else, and so I want to ask you the question that was tied to that. One question about three things. How's your head? How's your heart? How are your lungs? Those are the three questions that we asked. We think those are helpful not just for our physical head, heart, and lungs, but also for our spiritual, emotional, mental uh, head, heart, and lungs as well. Uh, so we took a little bit of a break to talk about that. This week, we're jumping back in here, The Use and Abuse of the Bible. This is a series... It's built a little bit on this book, The Use and Abuse of the Bible. Can you imagine? It's a great name to, for this book, that they decided to name it the same thing as this series. It's really kind. Um, <laughs> you can buy this book and follow along if you want to. It's a little bit nerdy, okay? It's a little bit of a deeper dive into the history of how the Bible has been used. For some of us, it's great fun. For some of us, it feels like we're being bit to death by a duck. But remember, we're pushing the pause button next week, and we're going to jump into Lent, and some of you will be really happy about that. Hopefully all of us will be. But this is this book. If you want to follow along and get that, you're more than welcome to, of course. The last conversation that we had was uh, about Jesus, the chief priests, and the lawyers. There's a little bit of a, an episode, if you will, in Mark chapter 12, where we are invited to sit at a table with Jesus and this group of professional followers of Judaism around a table, and they're talking about Isaiah chapter 5. And in that conversation, what we were encouraging ourselves to do together is to find the meaning that Jesus has of Scripture rather than to look for the meanings that other people have of Scripture. And here's why we talked about that. Because in Isaiah chapter 5, we have a passage of Scripture that the whole church for a very long time believed was about one specific thing. It was about all of Israel being these people who were not faithful to God. Jesus comes along and he says, hey, let's sit down and talk about this passage of Scripture. And he sits down with the leading authorities of the time and he says, you guys have got it wrong. The people in Isaiah chapter 5 who are the problem are you leaders. You are leading the church in the wrong direction. And that triggers for many of these professional religious people, these chief priests and lawyers, the desire to kill Jesus, the writer of Mark chapter 12, this person named Mark, 
actually writes in the story that at this point they decided that they were going to try to kill Jesus because his interpretation of Scripture turned the religious world upside down in such a way that people had to decide, will we hold on to what we have believed to be true or will we let that go in order to grab on to the things that Jesus is showing us to be true? And that challenge that applied to them in that time and place also applies to us today. So that was our challenge today, to, to find the meaning of the text according to Jesus, not so much the tradition uh, that tells us what the text means or what the Gospel Coalition or what other websites or blogs or friends, Facebook posts, whatever, tell us that a text means. This morning, we're going to figure out uh, another passage here that is, I think, quite a bit of fun. And so here's kind of the lens that we're going to look at. You've got the Passion and Passover up on the left. Passover, who knows what that is? Great, wonderful. Who knows what the Passion is? If you haven't seen it, watch it. Mel Gibson, it's pretty good. Pretty good movie. But that refers to something else. So Passover, let's go over here to the timeline. We've got over here Moses. Again, the fourth polygon over in the top row, Moses and the Exodus. This is where Passover is where God sends a plague to Egypt, we are told, and the firstborn children of all Egyptians are going to be killed as a punishment for their treatment of the Jews. The Passover part of this is where God comes to his people and he says, if you will choose to believe and obey me and give me a sign of your belief and your obedience by putting blood over the doorpost of your home, then the angel of death will pass over your home and instead of bringing death to your family, will continue to bring life. That's the story of Passover. Story of passion is what we're getting ready to celebrate as we move toward Easter. It is the movement of Jesus toward the cross, showing us the passion in his heart to save God's people to the point of giving up his own life. And so what we have here in this far left part of the slide, Passover and Passion together, is this idea that those two events are somehow related to each other, even though on the timeline of history, the Passover is way over there, and passion is way over here. Here. There it is. Jesus with us. And so what do these two things have to do? Well, um, 70 years after Jesus is when John, one of the followers of Jesus, decides to write the book of John. Okay? So as we hold in our hands the book of John and we read what John is telling us about what happened as Jesus walked the earth, we have a man who's writing according to his memory, okay? He looks back over time and he says, these are the things that I saw Jesus do and say, and I want you to know what it is that he was teaching us about God along the way. So John is writing for us, these are things that happened. More importantly than that, he is saying, In Jesus, through Jesus, the things that he said and he did, here is the picture that we have of who God is. You with me a little bit here? I know it's a little bit wooden here, but we're getting there. So it's 70 years after Jesus. Then we've got this guy, Melitas, cool guy. We're going to call him Mel because it's a little bit easier, okay? It says here that he was 300 years after Jesus. That should be 300 years after, um, 200 years after Jesus, okay? A little bit of a typo there. The point is, this is an important guy. This was a Jewish man who was in the city of Sardis. Sardis was this big place that had a lot of faithful Jews living in it. Now, the difficulty is that there was friction between the Jews and followers of Jesus, as we can see a little bit as we look at the Gospels, right? All the way back to the time of, if we rewind from where Melitas is, back to the Passion, 70 years after Jesus Uh, go past that to when Jesus actually gave his life on the cross. We have this friction that comes up between the Jews and those who follow Jesus. Why? Well, because Jesus said he was the one from God, and his interpretation of God was right. Anytime that happens, you have problems. So you've got these Jews and these Christians who are fighting with each other, and John, as we read his text, uses this terminology, the Jews, over and over and over again in his writing. And when he uses this term, the Jews, it's generally pointed at this group of Jewish people who were anti-Jesus. We can see that over and over again. It was the Jews who fought against Jesus. It was the Jews who did not follow 
Jesus. And so even as we see John's writings 70 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, we can get a little bit of a taste of this friction between the Jews and the Christians. Melitos was a go-John kind of follower of Jesus. He loved John. And so he looked back through history, through the perspective of John, on the events of not just Passover, but also Passion. So from Melitos, there's this little bit of friction as well. All right, let's jump in a little bit here. A couple of quotes, then we'll get into Scripture. Eusebius, cool name. Need a middle name for a grandchild or for a son? This is it. You're getting a new dog? That's the name right there. Take a picture. You can remember the spelling. So Eusebius is a guy who's alive about the same time as Melitas, okay? He's writing with his parchment. He's communicating to people who are following Jesus, people who want to know history, some of the things that happened. Here's what he writes. We saw with our own eyes the houses of prayer thrown down to the very foundations. This is the Jewish tabernacles and the divine and sacred scriptures committed to the flames in the marketplaces and the shepherds of the churches basely hidden here and there and some of them captured ignominiously and mocked by their enemies. So we have Eusebius who's essentially writing in a little bit of a scenario of what we see in Ukraine, in Kiev. We've got these people who are hiding for their lives. In this case, it's the Jewish people who have been trying to communicate who Jesus is because some of them have opened their eyes to who Jesus is. And Eusebius is saying, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. The scriptures are being burned. We've got leaders who are in hiding. It's just ridiculous what people are doing to those of us who are trying to follow Jesus. He goes on, Melitos, this guy who's, who we're talking about, says this about Jesus. This is the one who has been murdered. And where was he murdered? In the middle of Jerusalem. By who? By Israel. Why? Because he healed their lame, he cleansed their leopards, etc. So here's what we've got. We've got Eusebius who's saying, look, all of us who have decided to follow Jesus, to say he is the one who we want to hitch our lives to, who's going to show us the way to truth, we're being destroyed. Our scriptures are being burned. Our leaders are having to go into hiding so that they don't get killed. Some of them are getting killed. And then we've got Melitas at the same time who's saying, all of this is happening because, look, there was this guy named Jesus who walked the earth and he was killed. Who killed him? The Jews did. The Jews killed him, not us. And so there's this desire here that you can see that where Melitas wants to separate himself, he wants to separate those who follow Jesus from those who actually killed Jesus, to somehow say, we have no guilt in what happened to Jesus. The only guilt that should fall on anyone for Jesus dying should fall on the Jews who decided not to follow him. So this is a pretty interesting situation that we've got here. If we jump in and look at the, a little bit of a, a quote here from the author of this book, he says that in Melito, there's an amazing combination of reliance on and hostility toward Judaism. It must be remembered that the great city of Sardis had a major Jewish colony. So again, Melitos, he's this guy. He actually knew uh, the Jewish faith really well. Judaism, he knew it. He knew the Hebrew that was written, uh, the Hebrew that was used to write the scriptures. He knew that very well. And so he was caught in this place where he needed to depend very much on the Jewish writings, the Jewish thinking of who Jesus was, in order to then take it all and build this structure that said, poo-poo on all of you Jews. So he both loved them, he depended on them in order to understand what it was that they were saying and to build his own thinking of who Jesus was, but he also wanted to crash it all down in order to show that his thinking was superior to theirs. All right, that's a lot to set all of this up. Let's look at uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. This is the, close to the beginning of your New Testament, if you have your Bible with you. Very straightforward verse, one that we have seen over and over again, where John writes, the word, that is Jesus, God became flesh, Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John here is saying is, look, it is in the person, the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus that we find the fullest expression 
of God's grace and truth. Now, we look at that today and we think, that's, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. These are the things that we should be baking into our kids' minds, that we should be carrying with us through life, that as we face situations like Ukraine, like Russia, like masks or no masks, like losing a job or welcoming a new baby into our families, we should be walking with a strong sense of God's grace and His truth. And those are the things that can orient us toward life. When we carry with us the history that we very briefly and somewhat woodenly covered with Melitos, then we understand that Melitos would have looked at these words and he would have said, this is where you find grace and truth, not anywhere else. And we would say, yeah, you're right. But then he would say, especially with the Jews. You'd never find any kind of grace and truth with the Jews. Now, on the front end of things, we can look at that and we can say, okay, yeah, we agree with you because we follow Jesus. But if we pay attention and we lean in a little bit more closely, we can understand a little bit more of what's going on. All right, so, Melitas is saying that the law, that is, the scriptures, everything that was written up to the time of Jesus, is antiquated. But the word, Jesus, is fresh. The type, that is, everything that was written before about Jesus, all of these stories, these were simply types. They were, they were telling us about what was coming. When Jesus came, all of those types we realize we're temporary. But grace, that is through Jesus, is eternal. The sheep, all of this kind of stuff, the people of Israel are perishable, but the Lord is imperishable. Slaughtered as a lamb, risen as God, a type occurred, but the truth has been found. You see grace and truth there again. This is the writing that Melitos wrote, Peri Pascha. This is where he writes about the relationship between the Passover and Passion. And what he's saying here is, if we unpack it, is that everything that was written before about what God is doing, all of these stories of Adam and Eve, of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, even the story of Passover, those function for us much like this wooden frame here. I don't know if you recognize that, but that's the frame that someone is building so that they can pour cement steps to their house. That frame is really important in order to build the steps, right? But when you're done with it, you don't leave the frame there and decorate it and paint it, take good care of it, and proudly let your neighbors look at it with you as you stare and acknowledge your good hard work. No, you take the form off, you throw it away, so that what is permanent is there and celebrated and used in the way that it should be used. What Melitos is saying, in the way he abuses Scripture is he says, everything that was written before about Jesus, all of the history that we know about all of these people, all of that really has absolutely no value to us now that Jesus is here. And if you're like me, you can mentally rewind and scroll back to the churches that you grew up in, and if you just try to count the number of times that you heard someone preach from the Old Testament... Functionally, you can see how we, as the church of Jesus, have said the same thing. All that stuff really isn't that important. We'll teach our kids how to get over there in sword drills, if we even know what those are anymore. Man, did I just antiquate myself? Sword drills? Sword drills, anybody? Okay, hopefully, okay. Anybody under the age of 30 know what a sword drill is? No one. Okay. Anyway. So all of these stories then really are of no value to us. All of the movement of God, the story of his creation that we read in Adam and Eve, that really has nothing of value to communicate to us. We can look at it through the lens of God came toward chaos and he brought order and he brought beauty and he gave us purpose. But if we do that, then we might be hanging on to the Old Testament too tightly we can look at the story of Moses and the Passover and we can be excited to see that God rescues and he delivers his people in the face of all kinds of obstacles. And we can celebrate that together and we can say that God actually did those kinds of things then and he still does them today. Or we can say, yeah, but it was really just to point us to Jesus. There's really no sense in looking at all of those stories. 
And this is the kind of thing that Melitas, that the churches I grew up in, did with all of this older stuff. Because everything before Jesus was a form, it was this thing that you temporarily build so that you could build something else and then tear down the form, because that's the way that it is, really the Old Testament part of your Bible, you just schluff it off. It's not that important. This is what Melitas wanted to do. What Melitas would have taught, had he been standing here on this stage, would be something like, Jesus came in order to eradicate, to completely get rid of the law, to set us free from that. And there's some language in all of that that we would nod our heads with and we would agree with and say, yeah, you're right. The problem is that's not even what Jesus says. (laughs) That's not what we find in other gospel writers. And so if we are to say that Jesus came to show that the law is worthless, to show that it's not applicable to us in any way, we actually set ourselves up to agree with Melitas, but to disagree with Scripture itself and to disagree with what Jesus says. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 5 where we read these words. I'm going to try to get this bigger on my screen here so I don't have to keep looking backwards. Jesus says, according to Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, Don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, that I've come to tear them down, and to burn them, because now I'm here. He says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you truly, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is very clear to say, I have not come to abolish them, the law, but to fulfill them. I didn't come to you to tell you everything that was written before was worthless. All this stuff here, yeah, it's helpful so that it shows you me, but otherwise, I mean, you can just take that stuff, you can, you can unsubscribe from that in your email. You don't have to follow that anymore on Twitter. Like, there's really nothing there for you because now I'm here. Jesus doesn't say that. He goes on to say that until everything is accomplished, none of this goes away. That's pretty permanent. That forces us to have a different perspective on what it is that's written in these books that many of us have probably not opened unless we've been volunteering in children's ministries or reading a children's Bible story to our kids or we see a little bit about it up here on the timeline. None of that stuff goes away even after Jesus comes. And Jesus comes to fulfill these things. How does Jesus fulfill these things? He doesn't fulfill them by saying, hey, I'm here, forget all of that stuff. He fulfills them instead by coming and walking a life that embodies the truths of the law. He walks alongside of his disciples as they spiritually and physically journey through a Galilean wilderness and through Judea trying to navigate what life looks like, being faithful to their spiritual leader, Jesus, while also trying to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And he walks with them in ways where he relationally answers questions. They ask him, should we pay our taxes to Caesar or should we not? He says, yeah, you should pay your taxes. They ask questions like, what's the most important thing that we should do in order to follow God? Jesus doesn't say, on the one hand, go back and read all of this stuff and memorize all of it and then you will know. He says that takes a lot of work. Yeah, you need to know these stories, but I'll give you the Note version. If you want to follow God and love him well, what this is teaching is to love God and love people as much as you love yourself. And I'll show you how it's done. 
And so basically what Jesus does as he walks this earth is he not only puts on the flesh and blood that we wear, but he takes everything that is written in the Old Testament that we should be carrying with us and he puts flesh and blood on those truths and he becomes a living, walking, breathing picture of what it means and what it looks like to love God and to love people well. And as we're loving God and people well, we do a disservice to our humanity, our own and to the peoples around us, if we take the past parts of us that don't seem to really be helping our agenda move forward and cast them aside and say that they're not helpful. But if we can take the time to not just look at our own lives and our own stories, but look at the lives and stories of our spiritual heritage and to discern what is good and what is helpful there to carry with us so that we can team not just with this long story of what God has done, but with the story of who Jesus embodies, we can do the same in our world today. And so what is our job? If, if we sum all of this down, what is our job here in this? Why am I bringing this up? What am I trying to bring us to? We've talked before about what our job is in this whole series. Our job is to figure out how it is that we are using and abusing Scripture. We're looking at history. We're looking at Melitas. We're looking at the people who were sitting there with Jesus, these professional religious people talking about Isaiah. In this conversation today, in order for us to humbly and boldly consider how we use and abuse Scripture, we have to recognize we can't play favorites with either testament. We can't be like Melitas and say, all that stuff before Jesus, it's, it's confusing, it's dry. I mean, some of it is dry. It's boring. Now that Jesus is here, can we not just focus on Jesus? Well, yeah, we should be focusing on Jesus. At the same time, our lives become much more rich when we recognize that there is this man named David who literally killed someone so that he could have his wife, and yet somehow Jesus still calls David a man after God's own heart. I don't know how many of you have actually killed someone's husband in order to have their wife, but I would imagine that there have been spaces in your life where you have made decisions, like I have, that have made you feel like there is no way God would call you someone after his own heart. And yet somehow in the story of God's faithfulness to his people and to David, there is a pathway that leads there. What is that pathway? I think there's a ton of value in these Old Testament stories that we sometimes forget. What's our challenge? To realize that Jesus loves all people, not just our friends. Here's the other issue with Melitas. This guy had an agenda. He's in this city that's full of these Jewish people who were still trying to follow God without Jesus. And the Romans did not like Christians, okay? So you had, out of all of these people who were Jews, you had Jesus who came in and he took a segment of the Jews and they became Christians, followers of his, if you will. And this group of people, there were all kinds of weird gossip going around about them, that they were eating flesh when they were having their dinners together and stuff like that. And then you had all these Jewish people over here who didn't decide to follow Jesus who were this way. And what Melitas was trying to say is, look, we're the A-team. If you want to find your way to God, find us. And also, those are really awful people over here. He's throwing mud at them. He actually wrote a letter to Marcus Aurelius, the, the emperor of Rome, and said, Everything that is wrong in Rome is because of these Jews over here. You should not have anything to do with them because they're just awful people. Instead, follow us. We're really great people. And so Melitas's agenda is not so much how people are going to see Jesus most clearly. And this is where I think some of our hearts could be revealed a little, a little bit. Melitas's agenda is to gain power and protection, and privilege in his world. And the way that he does that is by turning his back on how it is God has been faithful to provide protection for his people, and instead he tries to use his words as fists to create his own protection. And in doing so, Melitas says, all of these people over here who don't currently agree with us, they're bad people, 
God doesn't really love them, and neither should we, when he really should be saying, God came for all of us, armed with grace and with truth, and all of us are welcome in the story of God's movement. All of us who are part of the Old Testament stories, and all of us even now who have not yet been called, who have not yet decided to follow Jesus, there is an open door. Everyone is able to follow and to love Jesus. Should have been the story of Malatas' life. So, what is our challenge? Our challenge is to realize that God loves all people, not just our friends. That all of Scripture is written and is helpful for all of us. And I think that if we fail to see either one of those things as true, then we find ourselves abusing Scripture just as Melitas did. God, we come to you this morning hoping that as we look at history, both inside and outside of your word, that um, we learn a little bit more about ourselves and you. That um, we see that you don't waste your time with us. You haven't wasted your time throughout the course of history uh, by simply giving a form that's destroyed at some point for the sake of something else, but you've purposely woven together a story that has spanned millennia. You've purposely woven together our own stories individually and as a group called Sunrise, and that there's no part of it that is without value, that in somehow in all of it you're present and you're moving us toward you. And so in that, help us to value all the parts of our stories and all of the folks around us, regardless of their perspective on who you are and how grace and truth is found. Help us to not play favorites, to focus on your word and your love for us and to share that with others. In Christ's name, amen. So at the end of every service, we give an opportunity for folks to respond. You can do that by giving financially if you would like to do that. There's a bucket there in the back if you want to give uh, cash or a check. If you want to do that electronically, you can do that by scanning the QR code either up on the screen or on the chairs in front of you. If you're joining us online, there will be a link there for you as well. But we also close by singing a song. Uh, we ask you to figure out how it is it's best for you to engage with us in these things. Sometimes it's to stand up and sing. Sometimes it's best to sit and to reflect, to pray. Whatever that is for you, that's okay. Whatever it looks like for you to engage with God during this time is what we would invite you to do. So let's enter this time together.
faithful Savior. Oh, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to move out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body all began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion the grave has no claim on me oh yeah oh jesus yours is the victory Jesus Christ, my living hope, oh hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, oh my David reminded that God loves us no matter what, that he works through all of us. The story of Daniel, that God will rescue and overcome, and Jonah, that he is extremely gracious. And Nehemiah, that he works in the silence. There is a richness in the story of God throughout all of history. And that story of God weaves its way into your own lives today. So as we go into this new week, may we go holding firmly on to the grace and truth of God so that we would be a people who transform this world with God's grace and with his love. Sunrise, we love you. We hope you have a great week. If you're planning to be part of the partnership class, go back to the youth room, which is at the end of the hallway. We'll see you guys next Sunday.